Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Welcome to Baldhead Bible Podcast, making the Bible come to life, featuring the expository story preaching of Dr. John Katzian. Well, Elizabeth, we left her five months. She's been in seclusion, just cherishing the idea. She's going to give birth in her old age and all these years she's been barren. And not only that, this is going to be a special baby and so exciting. And last time we left her, there was a knock at the door. And who could that be? And she opens the door and it's Mary. It's her cousin Mary from Nazareth, and they hug, and it's so exciting, but all of a sudden, something fantastic occurs inside her. The baby that's inside her starts leaping around for joy, and she's like, whoa, this is odd. You know, I can imagine the baby is bopping around the womb, dancing and getting excited. Why? Well, Mary isn't just there to say hi. I think Mary has had to get out of town because something amazing has happened to her. And the baby inside Elizabeth, later on to be John the Baptist, right, starts leaping around. But then it says that Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit and she begins to prophesy and she says, Oh, thank you. How blessed am I? And how blessed are you, Mary, among women? And blessed is the fruit of your womb. And then she goes on to say how lucky she feels that she's been granted to be with and to see the mother of the Lord. And Elizabeth begins to speak, and the Holy Spirit lets her know exactly what happens. And and Elizabeth also knows because the baby inside her is letting her know it is leaping around for joy. Something fantastic has just happened, and it's happened to her cousin Mary. And I think when Mary heard Elizabeth confirming that, no, you're not nuts. You are. The baby inside of you, Mary, is conceived by the Holy Spirit. You're carrying the Son of God. I wonder when Mary heard that, that she began to cry and weep. And they both hugged because this is so exciting. Why have they been chosen for these miracles? And to finally have it to confirm beyond her own experience and to have Elizabeth confirm it to Mary. That must have been so exciting because Mary says, I've got to tell you an exciting story, Elizabeth. I have got to tell you an exciting story. And and Elizabeth says, I want to hear. I want to hear. Maybe she sat Mary down and Elizabeth sits down too. And she goes, please tell me what happened, Mary. Tell me this miraculous story. And Mary then says, you know, She was probably doing her own thing, just maybe dreaming about being betrothed to Joseph. 
Because that's what she is. She's betrothed. She's not married. Basically, she's engaged. And at this point, Mary was engaged to Joseph. And she's probably dreaming of the future marriage to come. Now, it's really interesting. You know, back then they had arranged marriages. And, and Mary was probably 16, 17. She was pretty young. And Joseph might have been in his late 20s or even early 30s. There might have been a big year difference between them. But Joseph, probably Mary could tell right away, was a different sort of dude. But good, you know? This man wasn't some goofy guy. No, this man, she was proud of him probably because he had a passion for Yahweh. He had a passion for serving him. And I bet Joseph knew his scripture. And, and I bet he was good at his trade. He was a good craftsman. And he worked in wood. Later on, we find out that Joseph was a carpenter by trade. And I bet Mary was thinking about the joy of the time to come and, and how right now they're engaged. But in a year, Joseph and her are going to be husband and wife. And it's going to be so exciting. And I wonder if she was just sitting there daydreaming and then she looks over in the room and she sees a man where did he come from and maybe she begins to be a little afraid and that's where the man says greetings oh favored one the lord is with you it says there in Luke that Mary starts to get a little afraid because I think, number one, this person shows up out of nowhere. And now he says, greetings, and the Lord is going to find favor with you? Who is this person? Well, we know that this isn't just a human person. This person talking to Mary is the angel Gabriel. Now remember, Gabriel talked to Zachariah and said, hey, the baby you're going to be born is going to go ahead of the Lord. He's not the Lord himself, but he's going to make the way for him. So Gabriel was there. Well, now it says in Luke chapter 1 that God sent Gabriel to talk to Mary and to tell her what's going to happen. And so Gabriel's got this great privilege. He says, Mary, guess what exciting thing is going to happen to you? Don't be afraid, because I think she was maybe hiding under the table, or she's like, maybe got some knives out. Like, who in the world are you? Why are you here? And Gabriel says, don't be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God, and behold, you are going to conceive and bear a son, and you've got to call his name Jesus. And when Jesus is born, Mary, listen to me, he's going to be great. He's going to be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord, Yahweh, Almighty God, is going to give him the throne of his father, David. And he's going to reign over the house of Jacob, which basically means he's going to reign over Israel forever and ever and ever. And his kingdom is going to have no end. And you know what Mary's response to that was? How in the world is that going to happen since I'm a virgin? 
I've never slept with a man. I'm betrothed to Joseph. How am I going to give birth to, to, to the Son of God? How? What? And I think Gabriel smiles and, you know, he says to her, listen, the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you. And the Most High, the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And the child, Jesus, he's going to be called holy. He is going to be the Son of God. Because nothing is impossible with God. That's what Gabriel says. Nothing is impossible with God. You're going to conceive by the Holy Spirit. God's going to come upon you and you are going to have a virgin birth and inside of you is going to be the Son of God. Now when Zechariah heard his miracle told by Gabriel in the temple, his response was, I don't know if I can do this. And it showed an extreme lack of faith to the point where, remember, the angel said, you're going to be mute now because you lack faith there, Zachariah. But you know what Mary did when she heard? <laughs> she showed immense faith. She goes, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. I can imagine her bowing to the ground and says, and she says, let it be. According to your word. Then she looks up. The angels departed. And here she is. Talking to Elizabeth. Telling her the story. And I wonder if Elizabeth says, well, well okay. I confirm and the Holy Spirit inside of me is letting me know. And the baby leaping for joy. Yes, it's true. But how did you tell Joseph? What did you tell him? Well, can you imagine if you're Joseph and Mary comes and, and says that an angel named Gabriel, he, he, he just came and told me that I am now bearing the Son of God inside of me. And in nine months, I, I'm, I, I'm pregnant, Joseph, but, but, but I'm not pregnant by another man. I'm I'm bearing the Son of God. Now, if you were Joseph, what would you do? What would you think? It says there in Matthew chapter 1 that Joseph was a just man. I think that word just is interesting. You know, it says he's a just man. And one form of justice is to say, all right, you got pregnant by another man. You're lying to me. I'm going to have you stoned because that's what he could have done according to Old Testament law. But there's this other type of just. And I guess the Hebrew there conveys he was a just man who cared about people around him and treated people fairly and believed people when he could and he exhibited justice and the idea there is you do the right thing in the right moment you do justice you do righteousness and i think it says there in matthew chapter one that that it's that type of thing where where joseph wanted to treat his wife the right way because he knew that she wasn't the type to sleep around and she wasn't the type to lie. And it says there in Matthew chapter 1 that 
he didn't want to put her to shame. He didn't want to embarrass her. And in fact, he wanted to just end this betrothal quietly, divorce her quietly, so she wouldn't be ashamed. But the other interesting thing is, it says that in verse 20 of Matthew chapter 1, that he considered these things. He was thinking about them. The Greek word considered there isn't the sense of, hmm, let me intellectually think about, okay, my wife has come and talked to me and told me she's pregnant by the Holy Spirit and she's carrying the Son of God inside of her. It's not that sort of considered, no, I guess the Greek there instead can convey this anger, this frustration. Yes, he was a just man. Yes, he loved Mary and wanted to treat her properly. And yes, this made no sense, but this was so frustrating. This was not the way his marriage was supposed to go. As his wife becomes more and more apparently pregnant, guess what the community's going to want to do? They're going to want to stone her. They're going to pressure him to humiliate her. And what if this whole thing's a lie? It's that sort of considered. He's angry. And I can imagine he goes to bed that night considering these things and maybe this is all a big lie in fact you know what my brothers talked to me and and i'm gonna divorce her and all of a sudden another angel shows up angels are all over this an angel shows up to zachariah an angel shows up to mary and both times it's gabriel it doesn't say here that it's gabriel but i wonder he's been pretty busy but an angel shows up to him and says joseph don't fear taking Mary, your wife. Inside of her, it says there in, in Matthew chapter 1, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit, and she will bear a son, and you're going to call his name Jesus. Why? Because he's going to save his people from their sins. And Joseph sees this angel and hears this message. And I think that consideration now turns to joy. Thank you. Yes. I'm so thankful that Yahweh came and met me in my need by sending me an angel to confirm exactly what I needed to hear. It must have occurred in a dream because it says there in Matthew chapter 1 that when Joseph woke up the next day, he did as the angel required and he took marry his wife he didn't divorce her he didn't send her away he acted justly well i think part of the reason mary was knocking on the door of elizabeth right because joseph and mary were in the town of nazareth and remember when mary conceived of the holy spirit elizabeth was five six months along well, Mary now has a natural reason to go out there and to help Elizabeth, her cousin. Because back then they didn't have, you know, 911 or ambulances or hospitals around. Back then the family came together. And especially with births, the women of the family and the women of the expanded family, would extended family, would come together and help. So here, Joseph's got a great reason to send Mary away. And she can be gone for about three months helping her cousin Elizabeth as Mary slowly gets bigger and bigger herself. 
Because there must have been immense pressure on Joseph. Because you know something like that is not going to be kept quiet. Yeah, Joseph wanted to put her away quietly, but somebody heard that Mary was pregnant. There's going to be immense pressure on Joseph to put her away, to stone her even. He's going to get her out of town. It says she spends about three months with Elizabeth. And then Elizabeth gives birth to John. And then, in Luke chapter 1, we hear, Order! 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 I can imagine there's a town crier in the middle of the town of Nazareth. Order! 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 Now listen! I want you all to listen! And so the whole town of Nazareth has to come together as this big Roman official reads this proclamation and says, All right, listen! Caesar Augustus, the Roman emperor, he said that all the world's going to be registered. You know why he wanted everybody registered? Because he wanted a tax to make more money. Listen, all the world's going to be registered, and that means each one of you here in Nazareth, you need to go back to the town of your heritage, your hometown, and you've got to get registered there. Well, Joseph's like, man, I got to go all the way back to where does my family come? Oh, yeah, yeah, my family's from the city of David. Yeah, yeah. Well, the city of David, everybody else knew as the town of Bethlehem. That was connected with David. That's where Joseph's relatives all came from because he came from the line of David. They've all got to go back to Bethlehem. But to go from Nazareth to Bethlehem, that's not an easy track. But stop and think about it. God has got to get Joseph and Mary to Bethlehem to fulfill the prophecy found in the book of Micah. Micah 5.2, it says, But you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from ancient times. And God has got to somehow get Joseph and Mary, well, basically Mary, to Bethlehem so she can give birth to fulfill this 400, 500-year-old prophecy. And how's he going to do that? He's going to use a greedy Roman emperor. He's thinking, man, if I can get people registered, I can find out who owes me more money. And I'm running out of money and I got to fill up my coffers. So you know what? I'm going to send out a register and make everybody go back just to fulfill my own filthy, dirty needs for money. But God uses that motivation to bring to earth the greatest man to ever live. To bring to earth the very Son of God, all God and all man, who's going to grow up to die on the cross to solve humanity's greatest need. And Caesar Augustus isn't even thinking that. But it's amazing how God uses circumstances and base motivations from politicians to accomplish his will. 
I think we can take great comfort in that. That though the world seems out of control, and I bet it felt that way to Joseph, his wife's pregnant and people are mocking him behind his back and life's tough enough dealing with all that. Now I've got to go all the way to Bethlehem and it is not an easy track. Which brings up a question for me. Why didn't he just leave Mary behind? Why'd he bring her to Bethlehem? The only person that needed to register was the head of the family, right? He didn't need, technically, to bring Mary. But he did. It also helped fulfill prophecy. But why? Well, I think that shows, number one, how much danger Mary was in. Because I think Joseph knew if he left Mary behind with relatives which was the norm. You know, she's about to give birth. She's eight, nine months along. And to take her on a long trek up the road to Bethlehem, that would not be wise. But to leave her behind, they might have family members who sort of side with the people who want to stone her, who think this whole thing is a huge lie. And I think Joseph knew he had to bring Mary along to protect Protector. And secondly, I think, man, Joseph isn't some bumbling idiot who's quietly doing nothing. This is a man of great faith. A just man, as the Bible says. Well, he brings Mary with him and they head out. And they go on a long trek. Now, Bethlehem is above Nazareth. So it's basically uphill all the way. Bethlehem, I guess, sits on this ridge up in the hills, far away from Nazareth. And it is not an easy ride, and he's got to take Mary there. But the other interesting thing to me is, a lot of people think, you know, Joseph rides into Bethlehem with a woman who's about to give birth, and he doesn't know where to go, and he's stumbling around, and he's, he's trying to find a place to stay, but all the Motel 6s and all the Holiday Inns are closed, and oh no, what's going to happen? And Joseph, why didn't you plan this out? And, and that's where I think we have the wrong picture of what happened and how this whole thing worked. Well, I think, first of all, it says there in Luke chapter 2, verse 6, and while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. I think one of the things you got to get out of your brain is this idea that Joseph just stumbles into town. My wife's about to give birth. No, Joseph was a smart man who planned this out, who was going to take care of his wife. And I think he showed up early to Bethlehem knowing exactly what he wanted to do. And secondly, I think you've got to remember that in the Middle East, hospitality is huge. You take care of your relatives. You take care of your family. You take care of those around you. And Joseph, when he shows up to Bethlehem, it's not like they would have gone, huh, who is this stranger riding in a town? No, he is of the house and lineage of David. He had relatives in that town. They would have known about him. And Bethlehem as a city would have had great dishonor if they didn't take care of a descendant of one of their men. And then secondly, his wife's pregnant. 
We're not just going to let that go by. No, we're going to take care of her. And we're going to watch over her. And the other interesting thing is Bethlehem is near Zechariah and Elizabeth. Because that's the other thing. When they come into town and they can't find where to live, oh, no, we're just going to go run into a dirty stall. No, they had the opportunity not far away to go hang out with Zechariah and Elizabeth. There was no reason for them to run into a cave, as the ancient stories seem to convey, or some stall where cattle are licking and pooping everywhere. No, they could have gone to Zachariah and Elizabeth. This town would have taken it as a great matter of honor to watch over him. And I think the Bible indicates Joseph showed up early enough to take proper care of his wife. So get rid of that idea that Joseph's just running into town. No, I think, number one, it is a hard trek. Number two, he took Mary along to protect her. And number three, I think he gets up there early enough to say, all right, how am I going to take care of my beautiful wife? How am I going to have my beautiful wife give birth? to the Son of God. Well, one thing is this whole idea of a manger. And what's an inn? Because when Joseph gets to Bethlehem, it says that they laid Jesus in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And again, most of us, when we think of that, we think of the Motel 6 is closed and they tried to find some lodging at some old-fashioned inn. Well, that is not what that word inn means at all. In fact, if you look closely, a lot of times the word inn would be better translated guest room. So when Joseph and Mary show up ahead of time to the town of Bethlehem, I think their family greets them. Yay, we're here. Yay, it's great to see Joseph and Mary. And they, oh, Mary, you're pregnant. This is exciting. Maybe they haven't heard the news yet and all the controversy. And they bring him into their home. Now, back then, a home was basically made of two rooms. At the front of the house was this room called the guest room or the inn. All right. Sometimes that guest room used to be on top of the roof and there it would often be called a prophet's chamber. That is where the inn or the guest room was. So it was either on the roof or at the front of the house. And that's where you took care of your guests and honored your guests. And that's where they would stay. And then the second room was the living room where you as a family lived. And that's where you ate. And that's where you slept. And that's where you played games into the night. And that's where you sat around and talked about the other relatives. And then at the end of that living room was a drop-off. And it was sort of like a, a lower garage. But that's where the manger was. And at night, people would bring in their animals. You'd bring in the cow, you'd bring in the goat, you'd bring in the sheep, and you'd keep them in this lower room where you could walk off the edge and whoop, fall off into this manger, this area. But you kept your animals in there. Why? Because number one, you needed the heat in the winter. A nice, smelly, hairy cow gives off a lot of heat and keeps your room nice and warm. 
And then you also kept him in there because you didn't want the wild animals to kill him or you didn't want your neighbor to steal him. And so at night you would keep him in the stall. In the morning you'd let him out. And that was at the end of the house. And quite often at the floor of the upper level, you would have a divot, you know, or some sort of like hole where you would put food and the cow would get up and he'd go over and he'd lean over and he'd start to eat out of that hole. Well, that hole or that divot was called a manger. Well, it seems like when Joseph and Mary arrived, all the guest rooms were full. All of them. Because remember, they're all there to be registered because Caesar Augustus requires it. So it is true that Bethlehem is full, but people in the city of Bethlehem weren't just, all right, you got to go to this ratty stall. And No. What they're saying is the guest room was full. Joseph and Mary probably stayed in the living room, but where they gave birth to give her some sort of seclusion. They might have put a cloth between where the manger area, the stall area was in the living room. And and that's where she gave birth. And then once the baby was born, they put him in that nice divot on the floor there where the manger is and, and covered him in swaddling clothes and straw. Then they'd pick him up and they brought Mary into the living room, you know, and they rocked the baby and, and they all chatted and cooed over it. And then they put it back and... They were giving the best hospitality in the circumstances they found themselves in that they could give Mary. It wasn't like Mary and Joseph were thrown away into some stall off in the hinterland, forgotten, rejected by Bethlehem. That's not what they were doing here, and that's not what the Bible conveys. Instead, Bethlehem because they were required by the whole cultural value of hospitality, the city of Bethlehem and Joseph's relatives, they had to take care of Mary. And they would never throw away a woman pregnant and just shove her out of town. No, they put their best foot forward with the limited means they had. And I think that's interesting. It says there in Luke chapter 2, that when the time came, so they'd been there a little bit. We don't know how far in advance. Two weeks, a month, I don't know. But they'd gotten settled. They were in this house. They then, on the day that it occurred, they went into the manger to give her some privacy. She gives birth. And then they have Jesus, the Son of God, all man and all God, born in a simple house. Not some grand mansion, not some grand palace, but in a simple house, probably with a flat roof, with two rooms and a stall at the end. But man, they had the love and support of the family. And then knock, 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 knock. There's somebody else at the house? What? What? You know, I don't know how long this occurred. We know it occurred before the eighth day, maybe three days in, maybe the same day. I don't know, but knock, 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 knock. And, you know, the relatives, they all, what's this? And they open the door and it's these shepherds, stinky, smelly shepherds. 
But hey, I know you and you know me. And you know, no, shepherds back then weren't the highest rung of society. I hate to say it. But these shepherds, I can imagine, they push in and they run for it and they see the baby and they say, listen, I have got to tell you a story. I have got to tell you what we just experienced. And the family said, sit down, sit down. And they all sat down and they began their story. If you listen to the next episode, you'll find out what the shepherds heard. And again, you can read ahead in Luke chapter 2. But what I am struck with this story again and again is just the faith of Joseph and Mary. I mean, to believe this angel and for Joseph to justly treat his wife as bearing the Son of God, I mean, that would take immense faith. And then secondly, I'm struck by the idea and the sense of Jesus was born to simple folk, not the highest rung of society at all, but average, run-of-the-mill, not probably super poor, but not super rich either, just lower middle class people just trying to make the best of it. That's who he was born to. God came to earth in the form of a baby, was born in the middle of nowhere, really. Yeah, the city of Bethlehem, but that wasn't any big deal back then yet. And to simple parents who didn't make a lot, they made just enough. That's where the incarnation took place. And the first people to see him were smelly shepherds. And what an amazing God we serve. Thank you for listening to Baldhead Bible Podcast. If you have any questions or comments, we would love to hear from you. You can comment on our Facebook page or email us at baldheadbible at gmail.com. If you would like to support this podcast, please check out our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash baldheadbible. Baldhead Bible Podcast, making the Bible come to life. New episodes added every week.